Hello, friends, and welcome to episode five of Syracuse Sports. My name is Brent Axe, and today we're only a few episodes into this adventure. We're just going to blow up the whole format and turn everything over to you. We solicited questions from you from all points of the internet, from Twitter, from threads, from email. We've even got some voicemails to play today. So if you want to get in touch with the show, easy enough to do, my friends. We're going to put this at the bottom of your screen if you're watching on YouTube, but you can always find me on Twitter at Brent Axe Media. Email is BAXE at Syracuse.com. We have a voicemail line that you can leave us a voicemail anytime at 315-552-1964. So we're going to have a little fun with this. Nate Mink is here my friend and colleague from Syracuse.com. And, and you're kind of going to be like Ed McMahon. Remember, uh, this is kind of old school for some people. Remember Ed McMahon and the great Karnak and Ed McMahon would toss it over to the great Karnak and the great Karnak would have to figure out what Ed McMahon was, was thrown at him there. I know Vince McMahon. <laughs> I know Jim McMahon, but not Ed. McMahon. I don't know if I know Ed McMahon. Okay. Find it on YouTube. It's it's good stuff. So Nate's got your questions, and he's going to ask me the questions, and we're going to have some fun and, and go through them. Yeah, but I'd be remiss, Brent, before we start. Yeah. Uh, we're here. Like, we just got through the last weekend before football season, and it was actually week zero. That's Notre right. Dame wiped the floor with Navy out in Dublin. USC scored a bunch of points, gave up a, a bunch of points, so no change there with Lincoln Riley's bunch out, out west yeah. before they head to the Big Ten. And Victor Hovland won the tour championship. Bob Barker, RIP, Bob Barker. Uh, Brent, we wow. should have we should have had wow. skinny mics. I feel like we should have had skinny mics you know, for this for this episode. I think you're on to something there. And you know what? This is not too soon to say, because God bless Bob Barker. How about my man got to almost got to a dollar? Like if you watch the prices right, he bid to 99. He almost made it. Bob Barker, who babysit so many of us when we were homesick from school. And that that meant you were either homesick or you were skipping school when you see Bob Barker come on the TV at 11 o'clock. So RIP, my friend. And, and most of the time, 99 cents gets you to the showcase showdown. So I'd like to think Bob Barker Wait, is having his own showcase showdown. How do you know right Bob now. Barker, but you don't know Ed McMahon? That's what I want to know. A lot of sick days. A lot, <laughs> yes. a lot of, quote, sick days. You didn't stay school. up late like me. Nate was going to bed early for school like, like a good boy. That's what I like to hear. That that's right. That's right. Before we get into the question, so Nate, of course, you you know from Syracuse.com, covered Syracuse football for so long. Nate is is more in, in in an editor's role these days. His fingers do work sometimes, but what is it like for you going into a football season? And uh, you're, I mean, you're going to be in it, certainly part of the coverage, but in in kind of a different role for you. Driving the ship, uh, hoping to make good decisions, and above all, we're we're here we're here to serve the readership. That's you right. know, much like this podcast, much like this this mailbox, uh, you know, you guys are always the most important. Let thing. us know. You know, you got we just gave you all the the ways to get in touch. Let us know what you want to hear in this podcast, what you want to see on Syracuse.com. We're always listening. All right, we're gonna jump right into it. Let's go. Carrie wants to know okay. more about. Uh, the topic du jour in college sports, conference mm. realignment, TV network. She is focused on the ACC Network's television deal with ESPN. Okay. And Carrie is actually taking this from an interesting perspective. I like this. She is asking, Brent, can you see a situation where the ACC's media deal with ESPN actually becomes a good thing for the league in the next five plus years? With the upheaval in the entertainment industry right now, 
she can see college sports rights at least leveling off, if not shrinking, as teams renegotiate a few years down the line. Could having a locked-in agreement, remember the ACC's mm-hmm. deal with ESPN runs through 2036. 36. Can you see that mammoth television contract look like a great move for the ACC in a few years? I'm going to say yes and no, and I know that's a cop-out answer, but here's where I'm going to say yes. As Nate and I speak, Cal, Stanford, and SMU are not in the ACC, but they appear to be getting into the ACC. The key with that is it's bringing in an additional $72 million in revenue. But by the time everybody gets some of that chunk of change, and it depends on well when Cal, Stanford, and SMU get it, I understand that. But that was encouraging to me that even with this locked-in, sword-in-the-stone media rights deal through 2036, they can find ways to add revenue, okay? The no to me is their deal's up in 2036. All the other Power Five conferences, except for the Pac-12 RIP, renegotiate their deal before that. So that, to me, is the bad news, right? So how does the ACC find ways to do what they're doing now, add a little bit more into the pie while keeping things together, with the grant of rights, because to this point, nobody's figured it out, Nate, how to get out of it. But you know, Florida State is going to try and find any way possible to get out of this thing. And I think we'd be naive to think that someone is not going to find the escape hatch out of this thing by the time 2036 rolls around. Well, Kerry brings up a great point about whether or not the TV dollars are going to shrink. Do you do you see the bubble bursting yes. with sports rights? Really? Yes. Because the math doesn't add up. How does ESPN continue to pay the NBA, college football, and everything it's paying out when the 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 cash cow, right? The my grandmother paying for cable television, but doesn't know she's paying ESPN ten bucks a month, kind of thing. All that is doing is dropping, right? So when do those two things conflict? Now, ESPN's getting creative. They just signed that deal with Penn Entertainment, a gambling entity, another $2 billion in the coffers, but it's going to come to a head at some point, right? So all these schools and all these leagues and everything that's just like, where's my $40, $50 million a year from ESPN? Like, it's not going to dry up, but at some point, someone's going to have to make some really tough decisions. Think about what we're talking about here, Nate. We're talking about billions of dollars. We're talking about Disney. But this is also why Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, is saying things like, you know, we want to bring in, how, how did he frame it, like uh, creative partners and strategic investments and all these things. They need an infusion of cash, which is why I'm going to say right here, Apple's buying ESPN, and it might happen by the end of this year. If that happens, that's good news in terms of cash. The bad news is Apple only has 15 million subscribers at this point. ESPN itself has whatever it is, 70 million cable subscribers at an ESPN plus and everything. So that's a strategic partnership that would infuse the cash and would work for what Bob Iger wants to do. Well, if, if Apple buys ESPN, I'd be fascinated to wonder if that blows up the grant of rights. I'd want to see the, the, uh, the contract on that. You would here. Here's what I'll say. I think they'd find a way to make it work. Here's my, here's my counter argument to that okay this is from sports business journal 94 of the top 100 telecasts in 2022 were sports live sports the nfl 
accounted for 82 of those games. <laughs> college football, largely the college football playoff, some higher tier bowls, accounted for five of those games. Yep. Other things include the Olympics. That's a one every four-year event. FIFA World Cup, one every four-year event. Political programming, State of the Union, that kind of thing. The, the market for live sports is going nowhere. It's going nowhere. But who's paying that out? ESPN's paying that out. Fox is paying that out, right? If I'm the NBA, if I'm the NFL, if I'm college football, I'm feeling great because the money's coming in because of the demand for their program. But someone's got to pay them that. And it's ESPN who's paying them that. Now, how much money are they making off it to counter it? That's, that's the trick. Here's another point I'll add. The collective revenues for the Power Five conferences are larger than any pro sports league in America. College football generates more revenue than the NBA, than Major League Baseball, than the NHL. Football in this country is king. I have a hard time believing the, the money in football is going to level out or shrink. I just have a hard time seeing that. You brought up a couple of good points, Brent. You said uh, in the next five years, you are going to see uh, a lot of things go to market. Here's, here's a few examples of what is going to go to market before the ACC's contract expires in 2036. Nate brought notes. I love this. He uh, brought the notes. College football playoff, which is a billion-dollar entity, multi-billion-dollar entity. That goes to market in 2026. A bigger playoff. Yes. Don't forget. Yes. yes. We're already going to 12. Yep. And who's to say it won't eventually go to 16? It's inevitably going to grow. Yes. What, much like the NCAA tournament of men's basketball started at a small piece. Now it's up to 65, 69. They're already talking about going into triple digits, I believe. Craig Sankey gets this way, right? Notre Dame's TV deal with NBC. They go to market. Pete Pavacqua, by the way, uh, chairman of NBC Sports, is going to succeed Jack Swarbrick as Notre Dame's AD. So uh, there's a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with NBC and Notre Dame. Is that relationship going to continue? We will find out in, in the coming years. With Pavacqua there, you got to like the chances of maybe Notre Dame uh, re-upping with, with uh, NBC. However, I will add this to Brent. Something to note with the Pac-12 more or less in shambles right now and their deal coming off the books next year, that means ESPN doesn't have to pay for Pac-12 anymore and Fox no longer has That's to a good pay point. for Pac-12 football the anymore. So maybe Fox jumps in on NBC. Maybe CBS, which just has the Big Ten in its repertoire now, maybe they decide they want to bid on Notre Dame. So I think Notre Dame, huge chess piece on the board. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. In the which answers years. the question, just in case you're wondering, why they're not joining the ACC in football. Because they don't have to. Someone will pay them more than the ACC rights deal. NBC in, what is it, 2025, they will pay Notre Dame $50 million a year. I'm just throwing a number out there, whatever it is, because that's great programming for them. And you mentioned Pete Bavacqua there now. like that, That's a done deal. March Madness, NCAA, basketball tournament. They're with Turner. They're with CBS. They go to the market 2032. That's still before the ACC. And then you go to the other ones, right? Big 10. They go to market again with CBX, CBS, Fox, NBC in 2030. Big 12 goes to market in 2031. SEC with ESPN. They go in 2034, two years before ACC goes to market with ESPN. So my point in saying all of that yeah. is that there's going to be a lot happening <laughs> before the ACC goes to market. And I don't, I don't know, Brent. Like, uh, what if... <laughs> 
what if revenue sharing becomes a thing? You know, what if the schools designate student athletes as employees? I just think there's so many moving parts in the next in the next three to five to eight years where I have a hard time thinking having a locked in agreement through the next decade plus is going to be good at all. That's a great counterpoint to what I said. I still think there is a comfort because, look, the ACC is in firm third place. It depends. Here's the thing. It depends on what your expectation is. Mm -hmm. As long as you know you're not the SEC or the Big Ten, which, by the way, you weren't even before all this stuff started ballooning. As long as you know we're a third place league, we're going to do what we can to satisfy our members. But if you're like Florida State comparing themselves to the SEC saying we need to be there. As long as you can minimize the number of programs that feel that way, you're going to be good. If you, if the Magnificent Seven comes to fruition, now you're in trouble, right? But that was done in 2016, Nate. John Swafford in 2016 put this grant of rights in place with stability in mind. Here we are just seven years later, and it's almost anything but that. Great question, Kerry. It's also another great reason on why so much can change. Because when that TV deal was struck in 2016. That was before Dino Babers even coached a football game at Syracuse, right? Good point. Th three years later, Brent, California passed the Fair Play to Play Act, and that effectively went in 2021, which allowed athletes in California to profit on their name, image, and likeness. And it essentially brought everything up to what we're seeing now with NIL. So on a separate track to all of this stuff happening in TV and media, you have what politicians and uh, university bureaucrats and all of these other entities, what they are doing on their own track, how this all meshes also can factor into this. And, and I'll say, you know, with again, going back to Kerry's question about is this possibly a, a good thing that you have a locked in agreement? If the revenue disparity is tens of millions of dollars, and you get to a place where athletes can be paid by the institutions, that is a major disadvantage for everybody in the Atlantic Coast Conference. A huge disadvantage. Because all of a sudden, all the top talent will go towards the Big Ten and the SEC. All the top coaching talent will gravitate towards the SEC and the Big Ten because they have more money to spend. They have more money to pay for, you for that. And then what you're going to get in that situation, I think, is a situation where if you don't have the Carmelo Anthony's, if you don't have the Derek Coleman's, that that hurts the bottom line. That affects the enterprise and in it, ways that um, is a little bit more drastic than just being $20, 30000000 million. An entirely time. different podcast, but this is why they, that's the – if you want to find the line here through all this nonsense, you cannot make athletes employees because this whole thing will just evaporate as we know it. So don't do that. Great question, Kerry. What do we got for number two, Nate? Excellent question. All right, we're going to we're gonna soft pedal this one a little bit. Okay. Dome renovations. <laughs> Obviously, in the next couple of years, we are going to see new seating. Yep. We are going to see some new lounge space. We're going to see some pregame lounge space. Uh, we're going to see chair back seating. Uh, already in the last couple of years, obviously the dome renovations include the uh, center hung scoreboard and uh, knock on wood, maybe some improved Wi-Fi sometimes. Air soon. conditioning. Air conditioning was a big one. Like, how could you forget about the AC? That's the how best. How could you one. forget the, about the AC? Uh, so a question came in from uh, this is sort of a, a, a combination between Orange Chuck and uh, another gentleman uh, who wanted to know, Brent, if you could add any new renovation to the dome, what would it be? Any new renovation to the dome? 
you just went through a lot of things there. Like I, Nate, I here it comes a back. It, they're all story. done. They're all done or, or coming. So. Yes. Here's a back in my day story. But to think of when I was a kid and I went to the dome and how bland it was, how hot it was, how you get warm beer and cold hot dogs and all those stories. And I think about now I walk into an air conditioning building with a state of the art scoreboard Wi-Fi, knock on wood, like you said, is is improved. But the fact that I can even get on my phone in some capacity and do that is a luxury. When I go to, you know, the beer cooler, I've got how many different varieties of, of beer in there and other adult beverages, okay? The food is better in the Dome than it was not only when I was a kid, but from two, three years ago. So... Can I answer? I think we got it pretty good. No, like, you got no, you got to add something. What are we missing? I like if if we're gonna add something, I and here's the thing, Nate. I'm a simple guy. When I go to a football game or any sport for that matter, beer, dog, beer, burger, like it's cool when they have pulled pork or something nice like that, but I don't need like a seven course meal at a football game. So I guess if we're gonna add something. It would be a good, and I th- I've heard we've got one of these around here, a good barbecue place, like really good barbecue, right? Like barbecue choices, pulled pork, ribs, the whole nine, right? So this is basically my way of saying, hey, dinosaur barbecue, let's make this happen permanently, okay? Or Limp Lizard or anybody, I'm giving free shout outs here. Anybody else that wants to step in there, that's what I naturally go to. You want to blow up the Amark deal that limits the food yes. options in the dome. And yes. you want to get more local food options. You yes. want Tully's, you want dinosaur barbecue. You want, uh, dairy you name corn. It. X, give, Y, and Z. Whoever. Give me some donuts, yeah. get glazed and confused in there. Give yeah. me some donuts. Yeah. It's more local options, which they do have some, but I think everything else is pretty good. I think as sports fans, we're pretty damn spoiled these days. All right. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a hypothetical out here. Okay. Should they put should they open a sports lounge, a sports book in the dome? Oh, 100%. That is a great suggestion. I'm not a huge better, but that's the way it's going. That will help them business-wise. If you get, you know, a FanDuel or a DraftKings or something like that, ESPN's got that new bet thing coming in. See, because Club 44, that's not a if you go there, great. That's not a place I want to hang out before the game. Just not my kind of vibe. A cool sports book, that would be my kind of vibe. I think you just named the perfect space for such a thing. I think that's where we need to put it. I think you're right about that. Now, New York State's got to come around on these things, Nate, because I think it'd be pretty ironic if I could not bet on Syracuse football in the building they play in. But now we're talking. Now we're going down that road. There's some great sports books around here, not to give more free plugs, but at the various casinos here. Pop one of those babies in the dome. Now we're talking. Now that would take away from tailgating, which is the only bad thing. But we're th- we're thinking the dome, everything. And there's a lot of bad weather months for basketball and even lacrosse. Or if I can go hang out in there before the game, give me a reason to get there early. Well, there's no restrictions on betting on college sports outside of the state of New York. So you can certainly bet on other ACC, other college football games, other college basketball games. That's right. Uh, and it's it's a revenue stream. It's an additional revenue stream at a time when if you're in the ACC or you're Syracuse University, you need new revenue streams. And look, 
if you want to say sports betting or betting on a college campus is taboo, uh, you, need to, you need to get to know your student body yes. a little bit more. Yes. You know, you need to get, you know, you know, LSU already has an agreement, I think, with Caesars. You know, it's moving in this direction. We hear a lot from John Wildtack, the athletic director at Syracuse University, about needing to be entrepreneurial in their thinking. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurial means taking a little risk being a little bit uncomfortable, you know, Syracuse university, you know, for a while, you know, um, binge drinking on college campuses to this day still is an issue. And that has not stopped university from selling beer mm -hmm. to their students and to their fans. Sports betting is legal. You can place a bet in a sports arena. It's coming. It's coming. Great answer. It's a great answer. It's better than my, I don't need anything answer. It's a lot better. And then you can get JMA to geofence the dome so that you have to be in the building to place the bet. <laughs> and then that solves your attendance issue. Geofence. Listen to these big terms we're throwing at you. All right. Michael Alper. Michael Alper wants to switch gears a little bit okay. to the on-field product okay. of college football. And, and we'll sort of uh we'll sort of close out on a couple of football questions here. Michael is asking, hey Brent, college football man, I don't know. Same teams in the playoff every year. Mm -hmm. Same teams winning a national championship every year. Clemson's there every year. Georgia's there every year. LSU, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. 94% of college football isn't even relevant anymore, according to Michael. It's fun, but only about six teams even have a chance. Not many more can even be competitive. The ceiling for SU is seven to eight wins a year. It's sad. I don't even know if there's a question there. There is here. Is football even relevant anymore to about 94% of college football teams? Of course it is. Because you know that going in. You knew that last year, 10 years before that, 20 years before that. College football playoff, AP rankings, the BCS, right? The rich are the richest in college football. Those same teams you mentioned and a few others that have cycled in and out over the years were always in control. So what you, and this is a problem here in Syracuse, Nate, and we're actually going to get to this in one of our voicemails coming up. What you have to attach yourself to as a college football fan is tradition. We just brought it up. Tailgating, routine, Saturday afternoon, six times a year at home games, six times a year. Maybe you go on the road once or twice. Enjoy the games. Hope your team wins. And that's what 94% of college football fans do, and they love it because it's the game, it's the tradition, it's a college football Saturday that they adore. Now, for a very small percentage of schools, Georgia, let's look at this year, Georgia, Michigan, USC, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, a couple others I'm forgetting off the top of my head, USC, they have those aspirations, and that's great. But you can't let the fact that you're not in that 6% ruin your, your like of college football, your love of college football. I think that's, that's what makes college football unique. The difference, say, look, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, right? They are in a small window right now where they better get to the damn Super Bowl or I'm going to be upset, right? That's the difference, though, between professional football and college football. So don't let that ruin your love of, of the sport. That's what college football has. Now, I'll answer this more when we play our, our voicemail later in the show from my guy, Dominic. If we want to tighten the screws to here, Nate, Syracuse does not have that, right? People have to make their own traditions here. 
What are their traditions? Like, yeah, go to Marshall Street or some things that people do, but they do not have the grand traditions that other college football entities do. So you're kind of like, you're, you're DIYing it here in Syracuse. So that that's kind of the issue. There's no 44 on the field. So you're a little more reliant on a year like last year when it's like, hey, look at this. They're going to make a little run here. They start 6-0. and Something's brewing. Or 2018. Yes or no? Is there more? Yes or no? And then I'll, I'll make a couple points. Is there more parity? You sound, is, you sound like a debate moderator. I need a yes or no on this, please. Is there more parity in college basketball? 100%. Yes. College football national champions since 1998, the start of the BCS. 13 different schools. Men's basketball national champions since 1998. 13 different schools. That's a surprising stat. I'll still say this. The hope of a college basketball fan that they can get in a tournament and make a run is much higher than in college football. You extrapolate those numbers back to 1998. Different college football national champions. That includes a couple split champions, Michigan, Nebraska, Colorado, Georgia Tech. Men's basketball, 17 different schools since 1990. Similar numbers. Here's where it changes a little bit. Since 2016, four college football programs won a national title. We've had six in the last six years. You know years the numbers thing. I'd like to see? Final four. But college football has only had a final four, if you will, in the last decade or so. But a final four as a college basketball fan is the equivalent of a national championship in football. My team gets to a final four. I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. With that. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this question is all about playoff expansion. I think this is exactly why expansion is good. The thing you have to watch out for is access to the playoff as we go from, as we go from four to soon 12, and then who knows where it goes. If you go off of the current model that they're going to be using for the next three years after it goes from four to 12, the six plus six model, six highest ranked conference champions, automatic ticket to the playoff plus six at large bids. That is a good, irrespective of everything that happens in power five, you're in one of the top, if you're a, if you're a conference champion, you automatically go. That's a win. I think if you're Syracuse, even if, even if Clemson bails, even if Florida state bails, you know what you have to do to get to the big dance. Similar to what you know, what you got to do in basketball. You know, you got to win X amount of quality wins. You know, if you if you win your conference tournament, you're automatically in. There is a there is a there is a carrot dangling at the start of every season that if you hit this criteria, you're in. That's you're right. relevant to use Michael's terms. If you go to twelve at large teams where the the quote best twelve get in, then that's a little dicier because then you're then you're then you're falling in line a little bit with how the men's basketball committee picks its field. Right? You could be Drake. And you could be 30 and two and you could get left out if you don't win your conference tournament. You know, we look at quad one wins. We look at quad two wins. Well, if you're in a power league, 10 to one, you're going to have more opportunities to stack those quality wins on your resume that the committee will ultimately value at the end of the season. Well, so, yeah. so my point is, is that if the big 12, if the big 10 and the sec separate or, or outdistance each other and they grow into these super conferences, and your model for selection is the 12 best teams. Who are you going to take? A, a three or four loss Florida or a two loss Syracuse playing Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, NC State? Are you taking the team 
that may have beat Georgia, may have beat Auburn, may have beat LSU, may have beat Ole Miss. I think we already know the answer to that based on how the men's well, basketball that's committee it. works. When Syracuse was 6-0 and last year, at no point in my head was I'm thinking, they could make a run at the playoff here. And maybe that's just, maybe I'm too cynical because I've just seen things happen before and, and injuries happen and they lost five of their last six. In a 12-team playoff, or better yet, a 16-team playoff, you better believe they can do it because 2018 was an example of, man, they were a game away from playing their way into that thing, and now you give me a little more of a chance. So that will expand Michael's 94%, though, right? Yeah, Once the playoff expands, I can talk myself into sneaking in as a 12 seed or it, in once a decade, winning the league, and at least being a part of that. So that's the equivalent, Nate, of basketball. If I get to a Final Four, college football, if I get in the playoff, set, all good, I'm happy. And the more yeah. teams that realize they have a legitimate path to the playoff yeah. will help in recruitment. Yeah. This is why there's so many – this is why recruiting is such a, a slog right now because you get four tickets every year. And they're going to the same teams. So Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Penn State, Clemson, Oklahoma, the teams that are getting there have gotten there. They have a monopoly over all the four- and five-star talent because if, if, if what is attractive to those players, those high school players, those transfers, is playing for and competing for national champions, there's a finite number of teams that legitimately can do that or even reach the playoff. All of a sudden now, if you expand out to 12, 16 teams, more teams are going to be eligible for that tournament. That's I think, is going to spread the talent out, much like it has in college basketball. All right, Nate, I think you got one more question. Then we're going to play a couple of voicemails here. That's right. Hear from the people. TJ on Instagram, keeping the football talk going. Get some meaty, some meaty in-season football talks. We got the opener, SU football opener, Saturday against Colgate at the JMA Dome, 4 o'clock. Streaming only, ACC Network Extra. TJ's already looked. TJ's chalking it up to a win. He's ready. He's chalking up Western Michigan in week two as a win. I agree. Western Michigan's picked last to finish in the MAC. You lose to any of these two teams, it's it's game over already, as far as I'm concerned. Purdue week three is the one he's circling here. Yep. He wants to know we aren't talking about the Purdue game. <laughs> We're not talking about it because it's I don't know three weeks out. Mm -hmm. But he views it as the swing game for the entire season. Brent. Is TJ crazy? No, he's not crazy. Although, if I'm going to pick a swing game that could hinge the entire thing, Emily and I, Emily Liker, our friend and colleague from Syracuse.com, actually agree on this. I think it's the North Carolina game because that is in the middle of a brutal stretch for Syracuse. And I think if they're legit and they win that game, that really ups the anticipation and the expectation of what they can be. And that's a league game. Purdue... You don't want to drop Purdue because it's the most likely of your non-conference games, right? Colgate, Western Michigan, Army, I'm sorry. You've got to beat those those teams. Those are your three. Yeah, all home. at home. Yep, All at home. Purdue is on the road. Purdue was an epic game last year, and that team lost Aiden O'Connell and lost some key players from that team that gave Syracuse a push in the Dome last year. So, Nate, this just brings in those factors of college football. You go on the road, Big Ten, there's just that one game every year. Nothing goes right. Injury happens. I just cannot put game three as the swing game to me. I think it's recoverable if you lose it. It certainly puts a hell of a lot more pressure on you. 
because you got Clemson to start out in ACC play. And if you slide, like you lose to Clemson, you lose to Carolina, you lose to Florida State. Now, all of a sudden, the losses are piling up. So I don't think it's a swing game. I do think it's an important game. I do think it's going to tell us a lot about this team, that they're going on the road that early and have to challenge themselves in a lot of different ways. But swing game, I still think that's North Carolina. Who do, who do you think's favored in that game? Syracuse will be favored in that game. Give me a line. I don't have Purdue's schedule right in front of me. Yeah, but give me a line. Like, like three, four, like four, under, yeah. under four. Probably yeah. four. So they, I think, they might give Purdue a couple points because you always give the home team a little bit. But right. Purdue will be plus three and a half in that game. How about that? I shoot minus three and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think it's gonna be. I, you know, I, I agree with TJ. I think that is a swing game because I think if you drop it and you're three and one going into Clemson and you got Clemson, Carolina on the road, Florida State on the road, and then a Thursday night game against Virginia Tech on the road, three straight road games that that can spiral quickly. That can all of a sudden, <laughs> that can all of a sudden go from three and one to. Let me do the math here. Three and four. And then, like you said, then you're then you're up against the wall and you gotta you gotta make some hay. It's a lot different in the, than in six the and out. Yeah. Yeah. Or even or even four and two, four and three. You know, you're 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 talking about the difference between being potentially above five hundred going into Blacksburg and below five hundred going into Blacksburg. And uh, I agree. You know, Purdue is not, I don't think, who they are last year. They got a new head coach, Ryan Walters, first time head coach former defensive coordinator at Illinois, 37 years old, young, young guy, uh, breaks in a new starting quarterback, albeit Hudson Card from Texas. So a guy that has, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, the recruiting hoopla behind his name. No Charlie Jones. He's in the NFL. Uh, a couple of offensive linemen hit the portal. Uh, you know, it's but it's a Big Ten venue at night, and it's hard for this team to win on the road. So I think that's that's a that's an important game. I think that's a table setter going into the league, going into league play. Is it a swing game though? I still it wouldn't be good to lose it, and it can't like the schedule gets tougher after that. I do think you can recover from it, but man, if we think this is a six win team, and most people, reasonable people, look at this and say there are seven or eight wins on the schedule on paper, right? You don't want that as a loss. So I don't know, TJ and Nate, you're kind of talking me into it. Maybe, yeah. maybe, kind of. This is a swing yeah. game, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're yeah, if you're six and six, five and seven, and you're talking and swing you game, back, that might be that might be the one you, you wish you had back. We blew it at Purdue. And, all right, I think you guys talked me into it. All right, on to the voicemails. All right, Nate, here we go. We're gonna start with uh, my boy Dominic, who I heard from on the radio for so many years. Diehard Syracuse fan. He's in the heart of East Carolina country. And he listened to a previous episode of Syracuse sports where one of my end commentaries was about the lack of tradition at Syracuse football. And he had this on, on the tradition part um, that you talked about um, with that last caller in the last podcast that I just finished. And as you know, I live in, in Greenville, North Carolina, where there's another uh, college division one football team, uh, East Carolina Pirates. And um, the past few years, I see a very similar uh, kind of path for for these pirates and and Syracuse just mediocrity and and losing season and coaches being fired and the one thing that they have here that brings people to games and I hear people say it all the time well at least we have this we at least we have this and it's the, the tradition so I'm calling here's the thing Nate 
what's what they have in East Carolina, as Dominic pointed out, and he gave us some specific examples of some things that they do. At least they have that. And they're in a part of the country where it's like, this is what we're going to do. At the heart of it, Syracuse, New York, is still a fair weather sports town. Okay? Why were the students so engaged the past couple of years? And shout out to Otto's Army. They've been great. Why was the community so engaged? Because they started 6-0. and Because they won football games. It wasn't because of the grand tradition of going to a Syracuse football game on a Saturday afternoon. Some people do that, and I brought it up earlier. Make their own traditions and love tailgating and the whole thing but there's not enough of those people, right? So if this team tails off, they don't have those things like they do at East Carolina or many other schools that are going to bring you there. There is a certain percentage of fans, and I know we're focusing a bit on attendance here, but there's a a certain amount of fans that will engage only if this team is good. They're not good. They're out. They're apple picking or they're doing the various other things that Syracuse fans do instead of watching Syracuse football. So, I don't know how you wave a magic wand and start a tradition in 2023, but it's something that's lacking up there that really hurts them if they're not good at football. I, I've been I, I spent the last two minutes trying to think of one tradition at East Carolina football. Yeah. I trust Don. Yeah, yeah. I trust him. Yeah. He's right there in the heart of it. Yeah. We call up a uh, former defensive line coach Tim Doust and get a history lesson get a, get on uh, exactly. East Carolina. You know, East Carolina and Syracuse had some had some good games oh, yeah. back back in the heyday there. That is correct. Uh yeah. I think what we have seen across college football is that traditions can be a draw, right? You go to Ohio State, Michigan. You want to be there. You want to be at Penn State for the whiteout game. You know when you're going to Autzen Stadium in Oregon, you're going to see the duck puddles right out on the field on a motorcycle. I don't even know if that's a tradition, but he does it every game. But you know, These are all the things you're talking about. The War Buffalo, Eagle. You're going to see War, War Eagle. Eagle. You're going to see the Buffalo run on the field in Colorado. I mean, they've got Deion Sanders and a lot of other things going on there. But if it the very least, you have that thing, Clemson running down the hill and touching the rock. At the very least, those fans have that. Syracuse fans, what do you have? Well, you tell me. You guys let me know. What, maybe I'm just skipping you over. You have the number there. hanging in the rafters. That's not, you a, know, but might that's not, be a not draw. an active tradition. That's history. That's yeah. history in the rafters. It's not an active tradition that is celebrated and done at every home game. That is, Dom, appreciate that. Another voicemail here, and you can leave us a voicemail at 315-552-1964. This is from Matt. Hey, Brent. It's your good buddy, Matt, here. Hope all is well. Uh, Just wanted to see from your perspective, what is it going to take to have a successful season with Syracuse basketball? What is the, the minimum record that would equal success and is there a tournament involved? Is there a ranking involved? Curious to see what you say. Thanks. Success is the key word in this, Nate. And thank you, Matt, for that voicemail. The tournament. A successful Syracuse basketball season this year is the tournament. It's not a winning record. It's not like they were 17 and 15 last year if they win 19 or 20 games this year. But don't make the tournament. That's not success. You're on track. You're improving. There's a lot of other words I would use to describe that. Success to me. We're talking about like, wow, that's the tournament. If Adrian Autry can come in first year in place, 
all the new players, all things included, and make the NCAA tournament in year one, to me, that's a success. And that's, to me, the only way I would frame this year a success. So if they do not make the tournament, it's not a successful season. No. I think there's other words you can use to describe it, and I'd like to see what it looks like at the end of the road. But if you're going to tell me, man, you had a successful season, you made the NCAA tournament. You know, I think that is certainly the bar everyone's aspiring for, right? I, I think this year, <laughs> for 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 myriad reasons, for myriad reasons, not the least of which is a new fir- a first year head coach replacing, you know, a Hall of Fame coach who's been there for forty seven years. I keep going back to the men's basketball schedule and the non conference uh, schedule in particular. And cry and, me a river, Nate. It, it, well, how do you get into the tournament? River. How do you get into the tournament? That's how you get in the tournament. So you got to. You're saying. If you, they don't beat, if they don't beat, if they don't, if they don't win Maui or have a couple scalps from Maui and they don't get in, it's not a successful season. <laughs> what I'm telling you is you make your schedule. Okay. And if it was too tough, then don't go to Maui and don't go to Madison square garden and don't the ACC takes care of itself. Right. Like if now they, yeah, but Maui, kinda, Maui was set a year. Maui was set before Autry was taken over. I understand that. Right. But this is big time college basketball. And if you're going to make the tournament, you've got to beat good teams. Forget what everything you just said. They've lost to Colgate two years in a row. That's right. Right. But here's what I know. You brought back Judah Mintz, who is a top talent. You brought in JJ Starling, who was one of the top transfers on the board, right? You have a team on paper that's capable of making the tournament. And I get what you said about the shadow of Bayheim, And I get what you said about integrating your system and all that. But here's what I know. Autry's been sitting there for five years. Okay thinking he's going to be the head coach and can now put that into place. He's got the same coaching staff with one addition, right? He's got a talented team. The standard for Syracuse basketball is make the NCAA tournament. I think all things considered in the modern era of college basketball, they have a team that can do that. Now, if they don't make the tournament, am I going to be screaming bloody murder? No. But the question was, what is success? To me, success is the turn. Well, the basketball season will be here before you know it. Football season comes up first and it's right around the corner. Brent, I've had, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Trying to bat around a couple questions here and thank the audience. Thank the listeners great to this questions. show for keep, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Cause we'll do this sporadically throughout the season as well. 315-552-1964. That is the voicemail line. You can hit me on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer. Brent X media. The email is bax at syracuse.com. Great stuff from you guys. Nate, you're welcome anytime. Come in here, throw a monkey wrench in the whole format and just take questions from the people. Good stuff from you, my friend. And we will talk to you next time on episode six of the Syrac- of Syracuse Sports with Brent Dax, which I can tell you this, friends, the 23 things you need to know about Syracuse football in 2023. That's coming up in episode six. But thanks for checking out episode five, everybody. 